So I'm going to actually jump into a story from my early marriage and motherhood years. Um, years ago, I, was, I started attending Bible classes at my church. We had this awesome teacher, and I was really hungry for truth, really hungry for truth. My journey had been away from the church uh, for a while, and then back on the straight and narrow, I had given my life to Jesus, and I finally received, really received his love for me. I got it, and I wanted to honor him. I remember just a few years prior as a 21-year-old having the realization, I have to figure out what I believe. Like, I grew up, you know, as a pastor's daughter, and there comes with that a certain knowing of Bible things, but that doesn't mean it's personal. It doesn't mean it's real for me. It's just what my dad thought and what my mom thought and taught And I I came to that realization that I needed to figure out for myself, what does Paige believe? What does Paige believe is truth? So fast forward a few years from that point to this this time in history where I'm taking these Bible classes and, um, man, we dug. We dug deep. I mean, it was like the cold deep end in the pool in the hottest part of summer just We went deep, and it was good. Oh, it was so good. We were on fire. I remember feeling so alive, gaining knowledge and understanding of things, stories that I'd heard my whole life. But they really didn't matter that much. I really didn't care about them previously. Like, oh, Noah, cool story. But this was different. It was a glorious time, and I'm so thankful for all those years of good teaching. I learned to read and study the Bible. That's been beneficial for what I'm doing now. I learned to care about the original audiences. They matter. Who these guys were talking to in the Bible then, they were not our culture. So understanding these things is kind of important. It matters. I learned to understand world cultures and other belief systems and where they came from. It was really green and growing time for me and in my life. But there came a time, in light of all that knowledge, that I began using my newly found truth, my newly found knowledge, to judge others and write them out of my life when they didn't agree with me. See, these folks hadn't quite gotten there, wherever there was. So I abandoned deep friendships with faithful, godly people because they basically weren't good enough. Do you feel the pride in the room right now, just at the words? Do you feel the heaviness of judgment as a, it's like a cloud? Ugh. My lack of real love for my friends, coupled with an overblown 
sense of righteousness, began to isolate me from the people that I loved within this church, the very church that I loved. I was isolating myself from them. Interestingly, side note, I had not one unbelieving friend during this time. I was a white, still am, all these things, white, straight, married, Christian, homeschooling mom surrounded by only people who looked like and agreed with me. Sounds peachy, huh? Interesting. And who was I reaching with all this newfound truth? Who, who was I helping? Whose lives were being impacted by my self-inflated ownership of the corner on the gospel? Nobody. Nobody. Now, was my pursuit of truth wrong? Was my desire to honor God by knowing him better Was that bad? Absolutely not. But I had lost sight in a major, major way of an understanding that we're going to focus on today as we continue in our Hard Conversation series. And this is our our affirmation, as we've been calling them for today. Being loving is as important as being right. Now, we have delved into the topic of hard conversations, and we've heard several affirmations that we, as a church, would do well to remember. We're going to review those if you haven't been with us the last four weeks. The first one that we heard was, God has all truth, but we don't have a perfect understanding of it. The spirit, number two, can create unity where it once seemed impossible. Number three, We choose to accept that we live in the already, the now, and in the not yet. And number four, we can find our identity in Christ, not in our belief systems. And today, we're going to finish, as I said, with being loving is as important as being right. Now, if you will turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, If you have your Bible with you, if not, um, we do have free Wi-Fi if you choose to follow along electronically, um, or you're welcome to follow along on the screen. We're going to jump in to a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, um, and we're just jumping in right where he's finished reminding the church that we're a body. And we've talked about this a lot this year, it feels like, that, that notion of being a part of something that's more than ourselves. Each part of the body has its own function, but it's part of a whole. And this is an important reminder as we go into hard conversations. Just as it does no good for one body part to attack or dismiss another body part, it does no good when we dismiss or attack another person. Paul finishes off chapter 12 saying this, starting the second part of verse 31 of chapter 12. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong 
or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. And Paul goes on to define what real love is, what it looks like, patient, kind, not keeping a record of wrongs, not envious or jealous, not proud. Oops. Love doesn't celebrate when evil gets its way, but it celebrates the truth. Love isn't quick to get angry. Love protects. Love trusts, hopes, and perseveres. Love doesn't fail. I feel like you and I should be both comforted and convicted when we hear a list like that. We should be able to identify some things that go, oh, I'm doing okay on that. I'm pretty kind today. But we should also see some areas where maybe we don't do so well. Maybe we fail. Pride, that one, yeah, that stings a little bit still when I read it because I know how prideful I can be apart from Jesus. But that thing of seeing the good, seeing the difficult, that lands us at that perfect tension that Marie talked about just a few years ago, the now and the not yet. We won't get it right all the time, right? Love or anything else. But just as we don't stop pursuing living lives of real love, we pursue that. We also continually pursue truth because truth matters. Truth matters. We should be clear that doing our best to pursue what's right or true is important. It's a good thing. Following Jesus and being sensitive to the Spirit is not an excuse for intellectual laziness. It's just not. We don't get to take a back seat because, oh, I'm, I'm following the Spirit. The Spirit is wonderful. And it's one piece, one piece, right? One part. I love the Spirit. But if I love the Spirit to the point of neglecting what is true, then I'm out of balance. I'm out of balance. We ought to be zealous about understanding Scripture and coming to correct conclusions as much as we can. And we ought to think and research and work diligently, hard, to understand the political and cultural complexities that we live in right now. They're important. And what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus in that culture, in this place, what does that look like? Are we thinking about it? It matters how we present truth, right? Are we, sh I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> that said, if you run back to my notes, knowledge without love can be dangerous. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> knowledge without love can be dangerous. Even in scripture, the truth is called a sword. What do swords do? They cut, they slice, they pierce. 
Are we to be pirates and raiders or surgeons? We get the choice because the truth is the truth, right? But how I carry my weapon, my instrument of cutting is a very, very specific thing that I get to choose. Will I be a pirate on Facebook slashing and bashing and ha? Or will I be a surgeon carefully considering how to remove what is harmful, what is bringing destruction? A surgeon's knife does cut away those things, but healing is the goal. Healing is the goal. After the cutting comes stitching, medicine, and wound care. These are a part of the truth if we are using a surgeon's knife when we use the truth. Oftentimes, instead, we use truth to manipulate an outcome or to bludgeon an opponent. In our pursuit of truth, guys, we have to consider, we have to examine our motivations. What is driving my desire when I'm having a hard conversation with someone who disagrees with me or sits in an an opponent's chair? If proving someone else wrong or winning is the point, being right, if that's the motivation, my encouragement is we must self-examine. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into the truth. That's a role of the Holy Spirit, to lead us into truth. And the Spirit's truth will always, always, always be balanced with love. Always. Be diligent seekers of truth because it matters, never forgetting that we don't know it all. Leave room for the Spirit to fill in truth, fill truth with love. I had the image when I was writing this of a vase as truth. You know, a vase is a solid permanent, hard thing. Here it is. And then being filled with love was like pouring water into that vase. The water has no shape until it's poured into the vase. So it takes on the shape of what it fills. And we talk of the spirit as fluid, as water. And I just think it's an interesting image. So I just throw that out there. And I think it's a a neat way to look at it. And why do we want the truth filled with love, because love matters. Love matters. And Paul is not saying in his letter to the Corinthians that it is pointless to understand God's plans, to possess knowledge, and to have great faith. To say that love is as important as these things is not to say that knowledge, faith, and understanding are not important. They are not mutually exclusive. Paul is saying that without love in the equation, the other things we care about can get out of balance and used wrongly. Scripture reminds us that others will know that we belong to Jesus, not by our ability to recite Bible verses from memory or to win a doctrinal debate. 
How will they know? By our love. The world will know that we belong to Jesus by our love. The kind of love we talked about earlier. Kindness, not keeping a record of wrongs, not being easily angered, patience. It's important that others see this stuff in us, in you and me, lived out. And we get this kind of love from the Spirit of God. We don't manufacture these things. We can pretend for a little bit. I can pretend to be kind, and I guarantee my children know the difference when I'm acting kind and when the kindness that comes from the Holy Spirit is in me and working. The love that comes from the Spirit enables the pursuit of knowledge and truth to be put in their right place. Love is like the sun at the center of the Christian ethical solar system. Think about that. Love at the center. We talk about being a center-facing group of Christians anyway. Love is at the center of that, and all of the other things are held in place properly when love is at the center because love orients us to Jesus. Love is what pulls us toward him and turns our face Now, we say, Jesus is the center of my life. He's number one. I've said that. First, I even did a, oh, did a diet program back in the 90s called First Place. Anybody else? No? (gasps) You've been there. (gasps) I'm not alone. Yeah, first place, Jesus. But if this is true for me, then I'm in a constant state of remembering who he is what he's done. In that, in that focusing on who he is, he is resurrected, victorious, overcoming Jesus. Yeah! Woo! Resurrected, victorious, overcoming. That's who my feet are toward. The forgiver of my sins and yours. The lover of my soul. Even when... It's black and dirty. He loved me before I loved him. He loved me when I didn't have any idea that he cared for me or that I needed him. He's the one who wiped my slate clean, still does, and declared me a new creation. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. Guys, it should be impossible for us to see who he is and all that he's done and not be challenged to walk differently in love and truth than we did before because of him, because of who he is. We are new right now. You don't have to feel it for it to be true. You are new. You are Free. How many of you would come in this morning and say, I feel so free? Not many of us because we carry weights that we were never intended to carry. We hold on to our sins from yesterday going, oh, I'm such a bad, terrible person. I suck. No. What is grace for if not to release us into freedom and walking in the fullness and the power of the resurrected Jesus? What? And I'm guilty. I'm not saying you. I'm saying we. 
We are guilty of carrying baggage that he said, let go, let go. And guys, we get to share that with other people. When our feet are oriented toward that Jesus, that resurrected, victorious, overcoming Jesus, we look around us and go, are you seeing this? Come on. I want you to have this thing, this freedom, this joy that I cannot explain that comes up even when things are crappy and hard, like your friend moving to Georgia. That's hard. And there's joy in my heart still because he is good. We are guided by the love revealed to us through Jesus. We are led by love himself. Jesus is love. We are led by truth himself. Jesus is truth. And while he is truth and love, you and I live in the tension of the now and not yet. And we would do well to remember that we cling to him in our weakness. And his strength is our joy. My husband Josh said to me jokingly a few years ago, I recently got the reminder on Facebook memories, man, I'm so glad we don't have it figured out anymore. Now, obviously, we never did. But we thought we were so right, hard to, right, about so many things. I mourn the years that I use truth as a tool for conquering, devoid of love. And I do genuinely thank God that he showed me my pride. That surgeon's tool, cutting at my heart, revealing my pridefulness, that was that hurt. It was painful, but it was good because healing came. And he showed me what it meant to walk in love and truth. All right, would you guys do something for me? I think we have enough light in here that you guys can do this with me. Hold out your hand in front of you. Try to find a shadow of your hand somewhere on you, on the floor, even if you have to move a little bit. I always do it kind of on my leg or on something light, like if you have a a white piece of paper next to you. You want to be able to see the shadow. Okay. When we look at the shadow... We can learn some things about the hand, right? It has five fingers. They're attached to something larger, right? The fingers can bend and seem to disappear when we make a fist. But can you see the color of the skin in the shadow? Can you see evidence of an epidermis, muscle, tendon, bone. I heard it said that the kingdom of God is like that shadow. We get an idea. We get some insight. But guys, there is so, so, so much more than our tiny, finite brains can, comp- can comprehend at this point. There's much that we can't learn from the shadow. Paul says later on in Corinthians, in verse 12 of chapter 13, Now we see 
but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We don't know it all. We don't know it all, and we never will. But we have access to love. We have access to certain truths. We have access to these things in our, in our limited knowledge, and it defies cultural, racial, racial, gender, political, historical, and societal bounds, this access that we have to the one who is love, the one who is truth. Would that you and I, this church, would be so led by love, so filled with truth, and so oriented to Jesus that he is seen as clearly as possible in this life. And would that you and I would receive each other with the grace that was shown to us when we met Christ. That love that grace that wipes the slate clean and that says you're free. Would that we greet each other in that type of freedom inside and outside these walls.